If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show for those that want to see my mug first thing on a Friday morning. Not sure that's the best decision that you've made all day, but listening to this program is, and it is good to be here. Thank you for for joining us. I'm just going to be candid with you off the top. <clears throat> um, this program today, I had a an audible get called, and I can't go into this yet, but there's an audible that's been called here. What I had spent um, hours hours last night preparing to do today and i mean that literally um i i can't tell you much about it because that's the whole point <laughs> unfortunately the, the point is that the um the person i was working with on this um has asked me between last night and this morning has asked me that i that we not air what he and i had kind of worked on, and so I'm going to honor that. I'm going to honor that, and I'm going to ask for you to be a little bit uh, patient and understanding with me as I'm. This is a curveball that I've even been dealing with within the past 30 minutes. I got plenty of other things to talk about because I was obviously it wasn't going to take the whole program, but it has it has changed things for me rather significantly. Um, but that's okay. So just bear with me. And um, I, I want to share something else. The, this worked – what I want to share with you worked actually really well, I thought, with what I wanted to talk about today. And I I think it, I think just taking maybe a step – I don't want to say back, but, but taking a moment to kind of maybe reframe things. You know, we've. I mean, I've been thinking about this. You know, this year alone, what is this? You know, we're getting close to mid-July. We've, in this year alone, we've dealt with impeachment as a nation. We've dealt with COVID nineteen as a nation. We dealt with the George Floyd, the tragic death of George Floyd, and the riots that have ensued from that as a nation. We then have gone back. Into COVID nineteen, uh, COVID nineteen spiking in in places. People looking at in certain parts of the country reverting back. 
to shutdowns and so forth. We have um, an election coming up. And I know for some people, and I don't always know if I'm being candid with you, how many people in this audience, um, I, know, I know that we've got a vast, we got a variety of, you know, personalities that are, that listen. I don't know how many um, are weary of this, these difficult things and the tensions and the turmoil. I don't know how many people are, you know, just no matter what are prepared to go on to the next, the next battle, even, even the, the strong, even the, uh, the folks who are prepared to take this on head on every day at some point, anyone gets weary, right? So I think, I think we need to reframe this a little bit. And I really wish I could share with you this, this conversation, but I, I'm not going to do it. And that's, um, and of course you're probably having all types of questions, but I can't talk about it because that's part of, um, the reason that we're not, I'm not airing it's because this individual after spending literally, I think we were on the phone 90 minutes last night and then we'd spoken earlier in the week and different things. So I had told you I was going to share more about, um, more about that with you, this, this particular thing. And now I, I can't, at least for the time being, and this was dropped on me in the past, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. So I'm not, I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus. I'm just trying to be honest with you as I'm adjusting here this morning on the, on the fly, literally. So, but I was going to do this as well, because I think it's important. I was just going to use that, that discussion. We were going to share some of our discussion with you. And I wanted you to hear that and there's a lot that happened even behind the scenes with this individual who is a liberal. Um, but it's it's remarkable to see how quickly um, you know people who don't know one another with vastly different political ideas can forge a, a friendship and actually um, you know make headway. I mean, it's truly remarkable some of the things that he, and I won't share this, but some of the things that this individual shared with me, a, a liberal who I just, you know, was introduced to, I guess you could say, about two weeks ago. And I don't say this as though it's something special that I can do. This is something that we all done, probably something that many of you have experienced anyway, bridging some gaps and uh, with people who have different ideas and being able to communicate those ideas um in a way that that makes that makes sense in a way that's that's helpful um to the cause and so i want to go through this i want to talk about we're launching this conservative not bitter university and this is something that's been on my on my heart and in my mind for some time when i i'm going to say this i listened to dave ramsey I probably was first turned on to Dave Ramsey. I'm going to guess around 2003 to probably 2003, maybe 2004, sometime around there. And read his books and liked what Dave did and does and just marveled at what he did just from a, you know, from the perspective of someone who now has a, a show, you know, I have this program 
I look at what he did and I think it's remarkable. You know, he takes something as as boring for some people to talk about as money, as just personal finance. And he created this system. He created this step-by-step guide on how to improve your financial situation. That program was basically the focus of his, well, it is the focus of his radio program, which is now syndicated on hundreds of, of stations. He has, uh, you know, books, he has curriculum, he has, you know, churches, churches actually offer his curriculum, other groups offer his curriculum, they teach people, it's changed millions of lives in this nation. And it's a simple, simple thing. It's taking things that really at the core of it, Everybody knows, right, to some degree. I don't know to what degree you're familiar with Dave Ramsey. And this is not an insult. Please don't misunderstand me. I think it's absolutely brilliant. He put it into digestible chunks. He has some fun with it on his show. You know, he sometimes has to, you know, those conversations, they have to get a little bit, I don't know, he has to kind of tell folks something that they don't want to hear. It can be sometimes a little bit entertaining, some of the back and forth and and so forth, but Anyway, he's taken that and he's turned it into this massive, massive thing. Financial Peace University, total money makeover. And you might think, what does that have to do with with politics and so forth? Well, I think what it has to do with politics is is that it it touches on what I think has to be done. So I think a dream of mine for, for quite some time has been, you know, if you were to ask me who the inspirations for this program are, I would say to you, first and foremost, Rush Limbaugh. Secondly, I would say to you, Dave Ramsey. And that might make some of you scratch your head, and I'll get to the explanation of that. And third, and maybe more of a head-scratcher, and I told him this when we interviewed him, I don't know, a year or two ago, is Lee Strobel, who was um, the author of the book The Case for Christ. And there's different reasons for him as well. But those are the three folks that I think had the most influence on what I do, and the reason, of course, Rush is obvious. I think he's a master. I think everyone else, if I'm being candid, is playing for second place as far as uh, their ability to analyze politics. And it's not even close, by the way, to engage an audience, to build a following, to connect with the people that listen to his program. I am utterly amazed at what the guy has pulled off for a long time and have the highest levels of respect for what he does. Second, second is Dave Ramsey, and what I really appreciate about, about appreciate about Dave Ramsey is that he's taken something and he's built a program around a system, an idea, and it's something that lends itself easily to educating people. It's something that his show can build upon, and each day as something comes up on his program through a phone call, he can go to the phones and he can say, hey, that's baby step number three or whatever. And he can articulate and explain why this person needs to do this, that, or the other. And um, it just – it helps give people a framework, a kind of a – I don't know, a a roadmap on educating themselves on financial literacy. Things, again, that they probably already knew. Dave says these are things that your grandma taught you, old time. You know, you could say they're boring, predictable. It's not get-rich-quick sort of stuff, but it's tried and true. And so I think, and one of the things I seek to do on this program is to do something similar 
for our particular world, which is politics, American history, a love, admiration for the Constitution and, and the ideas set forth by the founders, which again does not include slavery. Knock it off. If anyone out there is thinking that that's uh, – people try to misrepresent conservatives oftentimes. They'll say, make America great again, right? Make America great. When do you want to go back to, Todd? Do you want to go back to slavery? As though that's what we're talking about. You know, just because um, it's not an all or nothing sort of thing as far as you know the, the ideology of the founders go. They were they were completely wrong. Slavery is reprehensible and evil, and they were wrong for owning slaves. I mean, that's just a matter of of fact. But it doesn't mean that they didn't also have fantastic ideas on how to build a society. It doesn't mean that they didn't strike metaphorical gold here when they instituted the Bill of Rights and when they talked about in liberty, when they looked at people not as subjects of the king, but rather as citizens of a nation, as individuals. They looked at the, the individual as the smallest minority, giving that individual their God-given right, understanding that rights came from a creator God, not from a government. And so, so I think, I really do think, if we find a way to be better at communicating these ideas, and I know some people might think, man, come on, Todd, the other side, they're this, that, and the other. Maybe. Maybe that's true. And you know what? Maybe there's people on the conservative side that sometimes, uh, you know, we're not perfect either. I'm not saying that the ideologies are comparable. I'm saying we're dealing with people, and there's a million reasons why People, you know, make individual decisions or aren't as effective or won't listen or whatever. There's a percentage of the radical left, the radical left, almost you could say all of them are probably not going to listen, a vast majority. But there are liberals who, if we give them good information on what conservatism is, if we do that, then we can, in fact, persuade some of them. And that's what I had we began we began this process this individual and I and again we were going to share his conversation but he's nervous he's nervous about it going on air and I'll tell you if I'm being honest he's nervous because of liberals not because of maybe a little bit because he's not sure about conservatives but he, you know he he doesn't want liberals to with the cancel culture and all this to you know to to push back on him that's an intimidating thing I understand that but the goodness of what we had and the the connection we've had and the opportunity for him to basically say to me I'd like to learn more you know after at one point telling me he thought uh, he he'd looked forward to you know debating circles around me or some such thing which I of course chuckled at um but I can't play it because he's he's you know gotten cold feet on this and I'm not going to violate even though it puts me in an incredibly difficult position I'm going to be honest with you and I've told him this but I'm not going to play that for you because of the trust but I am going to talk about what I wanted to talk about here which is some of these principles some of these principles and some of the things that we're trying to do especially with conservative not bitter university and uh, there's some other things going on behind the scenes I've hinted at that are kind of exciting um, as well to kind of further this and to take this idea and to get get it in front of conservatives first and foremost and say, 
here are some things that we can do to be better communicators about conservatism. Here are ways that we can be more persuasive. And so I want to talk about that today. That's what I want to talk about. And I was going to pair it with my conversation with this individual, but um, appears not to be the case this morning. So I appreciate your understanding as we're kind of shifting gears a little bit on the fly here. It's not really shifting gears. It's just providing this, <laughs> having this conversation with you without kind of the central conversation and interview with this, um, with my my friend, the liberal. I won't even mention his name yet, but that that whole process, that, that was kind of the central hub. Again, we don't do themes on this program, but as I listened to see how that conversation went last night um, that I was going to share with you as I look at what I'm doing today. By the way, we're going to be at Freetown, Indiana later today sharing some uh, some some thoughts on this as well. Um, they were keynoting their opening events for their uh, Freetown uh, Freedom Festival this evening. So, um, but anyway... Can't do that central part. I apologize, but we're going to get into some some things here that I think will – I think we all know. I do. I think we just need to have maybe a system and be more intentional about it, think through some of the things that uh, we can do. And, I, I mean, I've got multiple examples of, you know, using these these steps and principles myself and seeing some some good promising results from people that – you know, before we engaged in a relationship, but that, you know, that people like me and you are nothing but racist, homophobic, bigots, uh, xenophobic losers, you know, driving around and uh, driving around town with our, uh, you know, shirts off and with our MAGA flags and hats, which again, I'm not saying that that's, but you know what I mean? Like we're just, you know, rebel rousers and out there uh, just trying to sow the discords of racism and division, which nothing from the fur, nothing can be further from the truth. So anyway, talk about some of these principles when we get back. Going to take a quick time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So I want to say, I want to say off the top here that, you know, I, my, my experience, I am, I'm a Hoosier. I am born and raised in, in central Indiana, a small town, small town called Monrovia, Indiana, which is just a little bit south and west of Indianapolis. And, you know, I was my, my I was born in a middle middle class family. My dad is a union Democrat. My mom stayed home with my brother and I as we were growing up as kids. Um, I had a little bit of a of a fantasy childhood. I mean, everything was 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 great. I mean, um, you know, we we were middle class, but we you know, we had uh, we had things. We got to go on vacations. We got to play sports. Um, we we got to you know we kind of grew up in that era where you could ride your bike and 
even leave home for the the day and ride your bike down the back country roads things that parents today wouldn't even dream of letting their kids do in many instances i guess it depends where you live but um you know i had a bit of a fantasy childhood i mean it was kind of like the the beavers really for us and my mom had some jobs as well as we got older but when we were younger my mom my mom stayed home she spent time with us she taught us she read to us and all those things i mean things that i'm sure many of you can relate to and that's that's the point i mean a lot of ways i'm you know we're we're similar right i mean we've got a lot of similarities i'm just uh you know, just living in this uh, in, in small rural mid America flyover country. You know, I had you know we we worked hard. I've done things like bale hay. I've worked at a deli. I've been a a laborer on construction sites. I've torn off roofs. Um, I've driven tractors on a with a detasseling team. I've you know picked sweet corn and. All different types of things, and that's I think one of the beauties of of living in a, a small town and being able to do a lot of those a lot of those things. And I took those experiences with me when I went to college at Butler University, and I spent a semester. You'll hear me hear me refer to this from time to time on this program at American University in Washington D.C. That was a a pre law program that I uh, participated in because I was planning on going to, to law school. And I just decided, even though I loved the program, I decided law school wasn't for me. Uh, during that experience in DC, when we were, it was me versus the class every day. And I was really the only, there were a couple of other folks that were conservative on a couple of things, but it was me versus the class many days. And I, I loved it, but I decided during that process that, you know what, I think while it's important to have, you know, good politicians, good judges, you know, good lawyers, good any any particular profession or position of leadership or whatever, it's important to have good people in all those positions. I also understood that in order to really change things on a societal level that we need to we need to move the needle individually one case at a time and so that's really where the idea for this program was was born even though i didn't understand it then i hadn't even really i'd heard names like rush limbaugh but i hadn't listened up until that point i listened upon coming back from from that semester in washington dc though um but you know i i thought a lot of the things that that rush thought and that's i think the connection that many listeners have with him and in the same way because of my experiences, I had the experience of having to defend my ideas in class. When I came home uh, from school, within a year, within a year, I, I ran for uh, I ran for school board office and and I won. At, I think I was twenty two years old, and I remember I won by like thirty seven votes. No, no, no lie. In fact, I went to bed. This was back before the era of the internet, back in two thousand. I mean, we had the internet, but not like we do today, of course. And I remember going to bed thinking. I had lost the election because the last reports on the radio had me down a couple of votes, and it was the only precinct that hadn't reported was the one that I thought I had the least amount of chance of winning. It also turned out to be the place that I went to the polls and asked people for their vote, and it turns out that that must have worked, I guess. Um, you know, I I was my own campaign chair, chair, I guess, so I didn't have this you know intelligence and survey data and a big strategic plan. It just came down to convincing individuals, and so. Um, 
so that was, you know, my experience. And I was, you know, uh, in, in those environments where I had to defend my ideas with a rabid crowd. I had experiences with professors at Butler um, that uh, candidly, I mean, they, they were pretty unfair to me in, in cases. I had professors that wouldn't grade my paper because I had um, I didn't think and view things like they did, which of course was through the lens of Marxism or socialism or atheism or any combination of those ideas. And so I was able to see um, and defend some of my ideas. And I remember one day, this was at American University, walking back from class with one of my fellow classmates, actually walking to lunch. His name was Chris. And he said, Todd, you know, listening to you, you know, debate and stand up for your ideas in class. He said, I just want to tell you you have so much common sense. And I remember saying, well, Chris, why don't you agree with me then? And it kind of hit me at that moment that there's more to this, to persuading people than just having good ideas, because there's an emotional con, um, component of this folks chris was telling me hey todd i kind of i agree with you man but i almost want to whisper it over here i almost want to you know whisper to you know under my breath so no one else knows that i think what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense and i'm I'm not ever going to stand up and say it in front of people but i just want you to know that i agree with it you just it just makes so much sense and it goes back to those ordinary experiences i had which again you've had right i mean i think that's that's what connects us is that we have this this commonality that we've come from similar places we you know we we understand truth and we've lived this life and we just got to get better at communicating and so now um you know god has opened doors and now we have this this show and we have more opportunities to to communicate this with people and i want to do what i can to persuade and also help others become more effective persuaders. And so that's that's what we're doing. So why do I do this? Why do I ultimately do this? Because I think, I really think that we need, and I think this is obvious right now, but we need people to hear and receive truth so that their lives will improve and this great nation of America will be made stronger. We'll have a, um, a realization that the founding of this nation, again, not including slavery, but the, the, the core principles of this nation about liberty, about uh, you know the freedom and you know being th- that our rights come from God, those things are important. We need to re- we need to embrace that, which I know we do, but we need to even I, I think almost look at look at it again through fresh eyes because this is not the norm for the history of the world. And as Reagan said, Freedom is always one generation away from extinction, and so that it comes down to us. So we have to we have to pass this flame of liberty, the American way of life, the American foundation, on to the next generation. Or folks, it will it will not continue. And I think at no point in modern history has this become more obvious than it is right now. We look at the the chaos and the turmoil and the divisions and the dissension. And yes, we've got to have political battles and yes, we've got to have political fights, but we've also got to persuade if we're going to really, if we're going to really watch America, um, you know, unite and grow again, we're going to have to persuade some people. And so that's what I want to talk about specifically as we go to the rest of this, this hour 
is to talk about these these reasons, these these tips and techniques. And sometimes it's, it's not just about knowing the best thing. Sometimes it's about doing, doing in a proper way. So I'm going to talk about that, but I got to take a time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So if I had to summarize, again, we're talking about how to be more persuasive conservatives. And I know, look, we have to understand we have a wide variety of people that we're going to encounter. And some of those individuals are never, ever, ever going to change their minds. They're never going to engage with us. They're never going to have an interest in us. They're going to be completely content in thinking that we're racist, bigots, homophobes, uh, xenophobes, whatever else. They're going to be content with that. They have a an appetite for a certain ideology, and that's what they want to see and do. But most I don't I don't think that that's most people, folks. I really don't. I'm talking about rank and file. I'm not talking about those who are in leadership positions. And so I think, and this is how I look at this. I think that there are three general categories whenever we have the opportunity to share what we think with someone else. I think the first thing is we have to be the right kind of person. I think secondly, we have to know the right information. And I think thirdly, we need to present it in the right way. And so when I say be the right kind of person, you'll hear me say this on this program before. You've heard me say this on the program before, that we need to focus on persuasion not being right. Now, you might think, well, why would I try to persuade someone if I don't think I'm right? And I would say, well, that's the two go hand in hand. But the mindset, the mentality isn't, I shouldn't be, I win, they lose. Shouldn't be, look at me, look how great I am, uh, you know, pound my chest in, in victory as I've claimed another victim, right? Someone who was a liberal and I've beaten them into submission. I don't, that's just not how this works, right? I mean, that's not, that's not the way that we're convinced to do things. We need to focus on persuading people, not so much on being right. I mean, we have to be right, but making someone feel like uh, you're telling them I'm right and you're wrong, idiot. That rarely that rarely creates a scenario whereby someone is they have to want to to you know they have to want to move towards us, and it starts with us being the right kind of person. I'll also add to this, be empathetic. I also would add to this that we should genuinely and truly try to, to love this person, even if in, in spite of all the things that they might believe that are wrong and even politically dangerous, even morally dangerous, we're just not going to be um, persuasive if we come right out of the gates both guns ablazing and thinking it's a it's a fight me versus you and i'm not saying there's never a time for this right i look back to the bible and i see there's a time the prophets sometimes had to deliver some very bad news to the nation of israel right but i also look at jesus and i looked at how he dealt with the pharisees the people who were manipulating their power trying to keep people oppressed and 
you know, had their their positions exalted almost as a god over the people. Jesus didn't have much uh, much uh, sympathy or understanding towards that. But when it came to people who had genuine questions and concerns, he would challenge them. Certainly, he would ask them tough questions. Sometimes. In their encounters, he would ask them to do bizarre things. You know, he'd spit in the mud, so to speak, and put it on the, the blind man's eyes and then told him to go wash and uh, wash his eyes and all these sorts of things. But I think it starts from when when we have these encounters, understanding, look, they're people too. And I think we just need more of that. I, you know all of this, but I think we need to be intentional about this. First, I got to be the right kind of person. So I'm going to stop here. There's two more sections I want to get to. Know the right information, which is important, and present that information in the right way when we're talking about how to be more persuasive to those who are not ready to or who are who are engaging with conservatism. But it's a process or engaging with a conservative. You just it's it's a process, you know, be the right kind of person, create a friendship, um, be empathetic, Focus on persuading them, not just winning the argument and you know getting a trophy or something, but actually trying to help them come to come to the truths of constitutional conservatism and other things. Because this often leads, as as my conversation uh, with this particular individual found, it led to to him also asking some other other questions about uh, just faith and so forth. And so you think you look at just that evolution of starting from a position where we're diametrically opposed and, you know, he thinks he's going to run circles around me in a debate. And I said, that's fine. You can that's that's okay. You can think that. Let's just talk. And before you know it, you open up. And I mean, I wish I could share some of the stuff with you. I really do, because it was it was remarkable what what he said. Um, and I think that there's other people that are ready to respond like this, not just to me, they, to you, and they may have to you all as well. And we need to share these stories, and we need to share how we how we get to that point, how we get to have that conversation, and how we can kind of draw this out, even if they don't completely agree, just to get to a point today where we can sit at the same table politically and say, you know what? You know, the other person to say, I'm not an, a radical Marxist. I mean, heck, that in and of itself almost makes them, me want to hug that person and say thank you. Because from the way I see uh, modern-day liberalism portrayed on television right now, the people who have the loudest voices are radical, off-the-charts leftists. They are self-proclaimed Marxists. And so just to to be able to bridge that, because there is some overlap with most of the average rank-and-file liberals, Democrats in today's society. And we've got to find a way to to connect with that and to draw that out because otherwise, folks, we're driving. This nation's being driven hard left by some people in Washington, D.C. And, and people who have lots of money, lots of, uh, you know, sometimes secretive or, uh, you know, big influential people behind them moving this nation left, giving them platforms and microphones and all this sort of stuff. You just look at, I saw the NBA starting to, you know, the, the players are coming in. I'm not going to watch this this crap, but they're coming in. I saw it on the news and they've got teams have Black Lives Matter on the, on the buses. I saw the Raptors did. And they're advancing an ideology that's truly openly Marxist. That's what they tell us. But yet, yet we just continually uh, lift it up and prop it up, but many people would reject wholeheartedly, completely, 
the principles, the concepts that are being advanced by the Marxists, but they're doing it in ways they're co-opting other movements or they're they're playing into other uh, concerns that people have, other emotions, other problems culturally, and they're advancing their cause along with that. So we've got to be wise and better at stopping this nonsense. And I think some of these techniques and things that we're talking about will help with that. So a little bit long in this segment. I'm going to stop, take a break. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, continue this. When we get back, sit tight. Be back in just a minute. All right, welcome back. Sorry, we. I tell you what, folks, I have gotten us off the the time today. We're in fact, uh, I'm already up against another break here. So, but I'm gonna have to continue this next hour. We get to the end of the hour, and and, and I'm behind, and we're just up against the the eight ball on that. But I'm gonna say this. I think we're gonna continue this conversation next hour, at least the first part of the show. But I think, I think that people are more interested now, are more open now. In, in a sense, it's more divisive and uh, polarized right now politically in this nation than it arguably has been for a long time. Probably within uh, – this is the most divisive, polarizing time for many people in their entire lives in this country. There's some of you, if you lived through the 60s and the protests and the civil rights movement and – Vietnam and that sort of thing. I, I think that there's probably uh, some some similarities, um, and maybe in some ways it was you know more contentious and polarized then, and maybe today in other ways. I don't know. Um, I can only kind of look at these things from afar, and you know from from my viewpoint of history. But I think that what comes along with that, while there are polarizing views, there's also people. That once they they see that hey this this person that I've been diametrically opposed to <laughs> this whole time, you know I've met one of this these people these so called conservatives these people that are from another planet almost alien like, and you know they're they're normal people you know and I, I think some of us fail to really grasp it's it's hard to grasp but some of these some of the radical left they just don't have any conservative friends they just don't they. They exist inside of this liberal bubble, and they what they think about us is what they've been told on MSNBC, CNN, or what they've read on Vox or whatever else. And then when given the opportunity to meet us, it can quickly be flipped. And so we have to be the right kind of person, know the right information to share with them, and present that information in the right way. And so ultimately with the goal of persuading more people to be lovers of freedom and uh, the Constitution and the American way of, of, of life, the thing that was the, the system that was set in place by the founders. Anyway, got to take a break. So type back in just a minute. That is all of the time we have for our number one of the day of today's program. But don't worry, because we do have a second a second hour, and that hour is available on YouTube. 
It's on YouTube, and we'll be there about three minutes after the top of the hour, continuing this discussion and probably getting into some other things as well. And we'll be, I think, here in the near future, if I can get the technology to work right, we'll be streaming on multiple platforms for both hours, at least for the foreseeable future. So anyway, that's all the time I have for hour number one. Join us on YouTube here in a minute. Thanks for listening. SDG. SDG.